0: A Song of Solomon this morning, chapter 2. Uh, I love this book. And uh, I came across a phrase in this book, this and in the, in the, it, it hit me, and it stuck with me, and it's been on my mind for three or four weeks now, and I was just trying to figure out what I could do with that phrase. And, and, it, and then it hit me Wednesday night when I was down in Fellowship Hall preaching. It hit to me, and I said, Damn, that's that's got to be good. So, uh, I love that. Before we go to uh, chapter 2, verse number uh, uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 1 says, uh, the Song of Solomon, the Songs of Songs, which is Solomon's. In in other words, it's saying, this is the best song out of Solomon's, all of his songs. This is the best. The Bible said in 1 Kings chapter 4, it said that Solomon wrote 3,000 proverbs and 1500 songs that man knew a lot of stuff you rise in the book of, of Proverbs, there's only 915 of them written uh, and he knew 2000 plus more of those but the 915 that we have the holy spirit of god uh, cited those are the ones that we needed to hear those are the best and this is the best song out of all of Solomon's songs that uh, uh, the 1500 has I mean his new 1499 other songs but the holy spirit says this is the best of best of songs i can say with all certainty uh, the reason god gave us is this one it's a beautiful song It's a wonderful picture of Christ and the church this morning. Throughout every chapter of the book of Psalms of Solomon, we can highlight and, and see the picture or type of Jesus Christ loving the church, brought the church, and gave himself for the church. Here in Song of Solomon, Solomon's in love with the Gentile bride. When you read the chapters of Songs of Solomon, you'll find that he is not, she's not a Jew. She is not from the uh, nation of Israel. She is not outside the promises of God. She's a stranger from the covenant of promise. She has no hope without God. And in, in this world, but yet the king cast his eyes upon her and said, you know what, old gal? I like you. I like you. And and out of all that, she gets put into the, the book of God because the king loved her. I say praise the Lord for that. Second chapter of Solomon's, verse 1, let us stand. Kind of wound up this morning. I don't want to be long-winded. I don't want to be a preacher that when it starts and say, when you leave here, I ain't going back there. But these boys got me wound up in Sunday school, and I ain't unwound yet. But I'm trying to get unwound. But there's a lot in my mind I want to show you this morning. So bear with me. Don't close your book. We'll be looking at some things in the Bible of God. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. Solomon said this, "I, I am. Now, we've gone through the I am's on Wednesday night. You can't miss the picture of Solomon as a type of Christ. In the text, Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the water of life. Jesus said, I am the the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the alpha, the mega, the beginning and the end. The first, the last. I am the way. I am the truth. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And here Solomon says, I am the rose of Sharon. Mm, I love that. (laughs) And the lily of the valley. That's beautiful. I'm glad that in our valleys there are lilies that bloom. The Bible said in Isaiah, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. I'm glad that in our desert places in our life, the rose of Sharon can be found blossoming, blooming, as a root out of the dry ground. The Bible's called Jesus, uh, it says, why is uh, a desert time in your life? He just springs up out of nowhere and looks around at a place in the life and, and you think, well, there is no way that God can help me out of this. There's no way God can get me out of this. I don't, I'm here by myself. I'm all alone. And, and all of a sudden, that rose of Sharon will pop up. In the middle of your desert life. And God can show you what he can do. I'm glad there's a rose of sharing that blossoms in places in our dark desert pots, And it seems like it almost always pops up in the un- un- most likely places in life. The un- un- unlikely circumstances in life. That's where the lily, the lily just pops out. That's where the rose of Sharon springs up and gives that sweet fragrance into that desert, barren valleys in our life. Then we find that in the, his book, in his love begins his speech. Now, if you study the book of Solomon, you'll find that he's talking, and all of a sudden, someone else is talking, and you've got to keep it going. You've got to figure out which one's talking because it's a rapid place. It just doesn't stop. You'll find now, she says, when you read the Psalms, she says about him in verse number two as a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. Notice verse number four. Don't miss this. He brought me to the banquet house. And his banner... Over me was love. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for all your mercy and grace and love. Lord, we just thank you for knowing that you are our Savior. Lord, knowing that you're coming back to give us. This is our barren, darkened places in our life. But Lord, we know that you will pop up. You'll spring up in the unlikelier places. Lord, we're looking for you this morning to just pop up and spring out. And give us joy in our lives. Empty myself, Father, I do pray. Fill me with thy spirit. Touch hearts. Lead hearts where they need to be, Lord. If there's anyone here today, Lord, don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray, Lord, this will be the day of salvation for them. Forgive us where we fail you. We love you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. She starts to talk, and when she gets to verse 4, she is saying, This is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. She said, I can't believe that he brought me here. He brought me. I didn't get here on my own. I shouldn't even be here. I'm sitting at the king's table, enjoying the king's provisions, sitting with the king. Why in the world am I here? Because in chapter 1, verse 5, she said about herself, I am black but comely. She said in verse 6, look not upon me, because I am black because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother and my children were angry with me. They, they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have not I kept. She said, I'm not like everyone else sitting at this banquet. She said, I've been out there in this world for so long that this world has turned me uh, uh, black, uh, uh, defiled me, dirtied me up. And think that a king that would look at me and say, hey, come to my table. It blows my mind. I can't believe that the rose of Sharon, I can't believe that the lily of the valley, I can't believe that a man like Solomon, who knew 3,000 proverbs, 1,500 songs, all the money that he has, all the houses he has, all the wisdom that he has, all that he's got, will look at me. I am rotten, dirty, filthy. She says, I didn't get here on my ability. Somebody had to bring me. We can look back through our lives and say somebody brought me here. It was God's grace that brought me here and God's grace will take me home. Thank God. Then she makes this statement I love. She said he brought her and then the banquet with her. He is not ashamed to be identified with her. She just sat right down at the table and he said, let's fellowship together. She makes the statement about his banquet in verse 3. When she sat down, it was the great delight and it was real sweet at the table. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen to me. If you won't wander around, wonder why people shout all the time, why people got tears in their eyes, and why people stand and praise God all the time, because they have tasted of God. They've seen the goodness of God and they've got it in their hearts, and they just gotta let God know. Thank you for being so good to me. She's sitting at the king's table. Hold taste and see that the Lord is good. You, you, you don't know why people do that. You don't know why people tears will run down their face. And they'll stand there like this. You don't know why. and You wonder why. How, how can somebody do that? But let me tell you what. The reason why you don't know why is because you have not tasted of the Lord and see that he's good. Once you do taste of the Lord, once you do know him, once he does invite you to his table, you'll know how good he is and you want to praise God. There's an the old song that says, there's something sweet about the Lord. There's something sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what people say. There's something really sweet about the Lord. Yep. If you start worrying about what people say about you, uh, I'm standing, praise God. Tears have fallen from my eyes. I've been called all kind of things. Uh, it really doesn't matter to me what people say about me, but I'm praising the God of heaven that saved my soul. He just brought her, just brought her. It wasn't just the fact that he banqueted with her, but this is what I wanted you to notice this morning. He put a banner over her head. A banner is like a flag. You know when you have kids' birthday parties, they put a, Banner over the head, happy birthday. Banner's like a flag. He put this banner, this flag, over her head. You got battle flags. The Bible talks about battle flags, battle banquets throughout the Bible. Psalm 60 said, thus has given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed. And she said, when I sat down at this table, I noticed I was like the honored guest. It was like happy birthday. She said, I'm the honored guest because the banner is behind me. I got to thinking about that banner. And the banner said, the banner of love. The flag that was flying over her said, love. I, I, I want you to get this this morning. I want you to see it. I've got some stuff I need to go through with you this morning to help you and, and see what I see and what God has laid on my heart. The flag is still flying today. Yeah. You may be sitting here saying, I'm not loved by anyone. There is a flag that was planted a long time ago that says, love. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you she said, I, I don't know why I've been sitting I don't know why I'm here. Then she got a notice, and everybody was looking at her. Not necessarily at her, but they got to looking at the banner that was behind her. She said, I turned, and I saw that banner. <laughs> the banner over my head. And I was the guest of honor. And banner said, love. What the king is saying, I love this girl. I have set my love upon her. I want to preach this morning. The flag is still flying. She said his banners over May was love. But I've got good news. The flag is still flying this morning. You say flag? uh, What do you mean a flag this morning? Well, I tell you what. I, I love that flag right there. I, I fought for that flag right there. I stand for that flag right there. But I tell you what, that's not the most important flag to me. That's not the one I really get down to. But I, I tell you what, I really love this flag. I, I love this banner. This banner means everything to me. Yeah. Amen. Because right. the banner is still flying today. This morning I have no idea why that I'm under that banner. The banner of God's love. There's no reason why I should be here this morning. There's no reason why God has been so good to me. Why God put shoes on my feet, clothes on my back, food in my bed? There's no reason why God should ever be so good to me. There's no reason why I should be saved and on my way to heaven. There's no reason why I should be who I am today. I can only claim one thing this morning. And that's of his great love. It is because God commended love toward us. How well we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It's because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the only thing I can claim. That's the only reason I'm under this banner this morning. The flag is still flying this morning. You say, when did this flag get raised? (laughs) It started flying a long time ago. When Pearl Harbor was bombed in 1941, America was thrust into World War II not on one front but on two fronts. They was fighting in the European continent and they were fighting in the Pacific continent. There were people all over fighting. There was fighting on the Omaha Beach all the way across the European to the Eagle's Nest. I've been to the Eagle's Nest. I've seen what it's like there. There was still some imbalance of decorum between the soldiers of Germans and the Americans to a degree on how they would treat each other, how they would honor each other to a point. But then when you get to the Pacific Campaign, that was totally a different... Story. I, I don't know if you read about military f- forces and what they faced in these islands around Japan. The climate was horrible. The, the conditions were brutal. If you ever read it, you know, you, you, you read about it. It was a gut-wrenching thing that they went through. A little island you probably never heard of need to get acquainted with because much blood was still there so that you and I could have freedom Okinawa Bataan, Guam there there was a little island called Iwo Jima two miles long, eight miles, two miles wide and eight miles long roughly 22,000 Marines died in World War II with the Japan conflict. On Jima, there were 7,000 Marines that gave their life and shed their blood for your freedom this morning. They knew about Jima. The Americans was going. They were fighting other islands, and they were heading to Jima. They was wanting to get a hold of Irojima. The Japanese knew that they were coming because they heard the news of how they already done invaded all these other islands and they were heading this way. So the Japanese prepared themselves for what was coming. They got ready. They were on top of this place called uh, uh, Mount Suribachi. It was the highest point of this island on the southern part of this island. And the rest of it was flat. And at this point, they could see everything over this island. They knew exactly where they would land. And they could shoot down on it. It was a slaughter going to happen. But the Americans said, you know what? We'll come at the south end part of that island at the highest peak. That's where we'll attack at. And they fought they fought. They attacked. 7,000 Marines gave their life on this mount. Guns were blazing. Bombs were going. Everything was shelling out. But in February, the American forces landed and was immediately greeted with bombardment, rounds, The beach was like quicksand. They walk in it and get stuck. They were sitting targets. A month of fighting. They finally reached the top of Mount Surabacha. Men dying, shedding blood on this island, and the horrors of battles finally over. The Marines made this long trip from America. To Hiroshima, fighting, giving their lives, giving the blood. And on that island, this photographer took a picture. Y'all know it. They raised the flag yeah. saying, I have conquered, I have so. we're now free. of today, you cannot go to that island. The Japanese government will not allow you to go to that island. Why? Because what happened there? The Americans arrived and they planted a flag and said, Freedom! But if you can go to that island, on the top of Mount Suribachi, at the very spot, very, very spot, this flag was planted As a memorial. And on top of that memorial is the flag of the United States. It is still flying today. You said, what in the world has that got to do with, well, let me tell you what, on a dark trip up the mountain called Calvary, Jesus came from his home, came on with this home, says, I'm going to take this trip. It's going to be brutal. They beat on him. They smoked at him. They want to kill him. It's going to be brutal. But he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to give it all. And when he climbed to that top of that mountain of Calvary, he planted a flag of love that's still waving today. The flag is still flying today. I don't care where you're at today in your life. You may say, hey, somebody, they don't love me. I'm in the bottom of my pits of my life. But let me tell you, the banner of love is still flying today. When that flag was raised, and it started flying, and it started flying a long time ago, long time ago. You're sitting here saying, I'm through a lot of stuff. But God says the flag is still flying. This flag is still flying. Can I say this? (laughs) Can't nobody take this flag down? (laughs) They cannot remove this flag. This flag, this flag has been permanently sealed and signed. They may try to destroy it. They may try to take it down. They want to shut it up. They want to burn it up. But you cannot destroy that flag. You're yeah. getting you know, all excited by the flag, ain't you, preacher? You darn right I am. I know what it did for me. I know what this flag did for me. 2,000 years ago, that flag is still flying today. Giving forgiveness for sinners, lost people. People have drifted away. That flag is still flying for those people. And that flag is still flying for me this day. This this flag, this banner is revered. I I love this banner. I, I love preaching this banner. I preach a lot of things because the Bible has called me to do that. The whole counsel of God. poor but when I start preaching about this banner, this love. Yeah. There's nothing more I like preaching is Jesus and his love. I don't ever want to get to the place in my life where I love preaching something other than Christ and his love. I don't ever want to get to the place in my life where I start looking at things in the world other than the love of Christ. If you've gotten to that point in your life that something has taken the place of Christ, you need to get it removed out of your life and let the love of God reign into your life this morning. So, why is this flag so revered? Listen to me. It, it, we we gotten to the point in our churches today that we don't revere the things of God. We don't revere the word of God or the ordinances of God. We don't do that anymore. We just sit around and go, no. And it, I don't care how sad you are at your house. I don't care how sad you get when you go to buy groceries. And let me tell you, well, you ought to be sad if you go buy groceries today. $13 for eggs. Somebody ought to be hit somewhere. You ought to be sad going there. But let me tell you what, when you walk through the doors of the house of God, you should put a smile on your face, put joy in your heart, because God saved your soul. You could have been dying and going to hell. You ought to just come to the house of God and say, thank you, God. The one place that you ought to be joy in your life is in God's house this morning. Amen. Move me if you can. Move you if I can. I'll move you. You ain't gonna like it. You ain't gonna like it. Praise the Lord. This flag was revered. It's revered. We got problems. We've got issues. I do believe that. But this flag doesn't have anything attached to it. You ain't never got to hang it over, over your head. You know, he'll never have to apologize for this flag. Thank God I revere this flag. And, and more than that, and maybe, maybe I can tell you this way we need a revival in our churches and throughout this land. If it feels an old fashioned reverence. To the things of God, to the Word of God, to the ordinance of God. We drifted away from it. We've, we've fallen away from things of God. We, we want to do our whole thing now. We, we want to preach what we say, not what God says. We want to sing the way we want to sing. We want to uh, preach what we want to preach. We need a revival. For the old-fashioned revivals. I remember the old-fashioned revivals. And let me tell you what, uh, uh, you revered those things. Because God moved in those things. Uh, The Christians today are sitting in a pew saying, hey, you can't move me, God can't move me. You start revering the things of God, you start getting in his book, you get moved. God will show you. We've come up with all kinds of flags today. And I'm so tired of them. But I'm going to give you the truth this morning. There needs to be some things that we veer from the word of God and the house of God. And and remind the lost that God still loves them. God gave his son for them. His flag was revered. When they bombed Pearl Harbor, I'm, I'm gonna, y'all, y'all know I like history, don't you? I love history. I read all about history. All, I'm just all over the history. But when they bombed Pearl Harbor, the one ship that you can go and see that's still in the ship in the, the Pearl Harbor is the USS Arizona. In fact, they got a memorial over it. You can walk over and look. actually look down into the water and see the ship still there. What a horrible thing as they were bombing bombing the harbor they had no warning no sight no nothing and and it came all of a sudden And, and there was a guy named tom white he was on a day pass from the uss arizona and when he heard the bombing going off, and what was going on, he ran back. He wanted to get back to his ship, but he couldn't get back to the, the ramp was destroyed. Smoke was falling all over the place. He couldn't see anything. And he just knew that he had to get back to his ship. But he knew he could not make it. And as he was looking, do you ought to listen to this guy tell us? As he was looking through the smoke, he saw where the flag should be. And the flag was not flying. He said, my ship is not going down without its flag. Flag. So he went to the next ship over there and took one of their dinghies and he rode all the way back over to where the U.S. Airs Arizona was and got on board, climbed up the side and got to the place where the flag should have been and he ran the flag up. Why don't you start planting some flags? He ran that flag up saying, my ship is not going down without a flag. You say, what is that? I don't know how much they suffered. I don't care what that's going to happen to me. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that I love that flag. And I say we need today, we need some Christians to join me and say, I don't care what kind of persecution that I'm going to face. I don't care what kind of trial that I'm going to go through. And they're coming. I know they're coming. The Bible said they're coming. If you read the word of God and believe in the word of God, you'll know that those tribulations are coming. Those trials are coming. Heartache's going to come. You're going to have to give an account. To, you're going to have to stand for the crowd and say, hey, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Or you recant and say, no, I follow the word. You've got a decision you've got to make. This flag is revered. And I say also, this flag reconciles. I don't know if y'all, anybody ever heard of Benson? Barry Benson. I don't know if anybody was here living during the World War II, I mean, the Civil War era. No, nobody, nobody? Barry Benson was a sharpshooter for the Army. During the Civil War. And I, I, I found this quote about him. I love it, it. Love this quote. And we should get this in our heart that he had any heart for his flag. Christians should need to get this in our hearts. Benson was a sharpshooter in the Civil War. He said this about his flag. He said, during battles, colors were dropped. colors are seized again and again and again and they are also raised and lifted again and again no man dare in reach pass by on the ground the colors that are not bright hold or clean as when they come fresh from the needle and needle. But since he clutched the, the storms of battle, then the raging on, the tattered, the grim, the muddiness that would reach out and grab that flag because it meant so much to them. He said, how it thrilled the heart of a soldier that got lost on his way, got, se- <laughs> got separated and he's making his way back, and he could see that flag. He said, "Oh, the hearts will rejoice." Because he knew his home. He knew he was there. He knew the one that was there would rejoice with him. He knew the one that was there would be friendly. He knew the one was there that would love and care for him. He so, said, "Oh, Utah's talking about an old red flag. It might be just an old red flag to you, but it was everything to me. It means everything to me. Can I tell you what? That flag right there is tired, torn, weatherproof, and everything. Else. It might not mean much to you, but it means everything to me. It's my heart, my soul, that flag. He said, there's something about that flag when I have been away. There's something about that flag. Can I say this flag of God amplifies the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary. He says, every time I see that flag, it warms my heart. He said, it lets me know somebody loves me. I don't know what your background is this morning. I don't know where you came from this morning. But I can tell you this. Somebody loves you. Somebody loves you. He has raised a banner that you can see no matter where you go. That banner is raising so that you can find your way. Banner says, Come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Just come and pull yourself up to the table of God, and the banner will be flying over you. Love, love. I want to get under that banner. If you're not under that banner this morning, you need to pull up to the table of God. Say, Lord, I want to get under that banner. I see the banner is great. The banner is what I need in my life. Maybe you're here say, I've been a long way from God. I have drifted away from God. He says, come. I'm not sure that I know what's going on. It doesn't matter. He says, come. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Thank God. Thank God he said I'll forgive you. I'll cast them behind my back and never to remember no more. That's what I love about this matter. He loved me enough to die for me. Paul says I beseech you in the Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God and come and get under the table. I don't know where your life is at this morning, but can I tell you this? Some of us are sitting right here going through an awful lot of things in our life. We could be going through health issues, personal issues, mental issues, feeling like nobody cares, nobody loves you. There is one that loves you. Closer than a brother. Never leave you, never forsake you. But you got to get under that table. I don't know if I'm dressed right. I don't care how you dressed. Just get under the table. Can I say this with all love? Uh, if you walk out of here, you ain't under that table. You missing out. Because he says he's prepared a banquet for those that love him. I want to be at that table. I want to be able to see my Savior and say thank you, Lord. What you've done for me! Well, you took me out of the pits of hell. I should be nailed to the charged wall of hell, but no, God, you reached down and pulled me out of that mire and set me at your table. Are you at His table this morning? Yeah. Some of us, <laughs> some of us are like this. The table's here, and we kind of like sit back. I don't want to get all the way in. <laughs> I don't want to get all the way under them. Let me tell you what you can't reach, but just so much out there. I, I want to get to the table. I get, I get it all. I, I, I've never seen anybody pull himself up to a Thanksgiving dinner and sit three feet away from the table. Amen. I, I see them kind of get. I, they may push themselves back when they get started. Mm. But I've never seen anybody get up under that Thanksgiving table and sit way back. No, they pull way up close. Because yeah. they want to be able to reach everything that's on that table. Yeah. Can I tell you this? You pull up to the close of God's table. Yeah. You'll be able to reach everything that God's got there for. You. And if you can't reach it, he'll give it to you. Amen. Hey, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if I've even done any good for you this morning. But I love this banner I love this banner this banner means so much to me and I'll die for this banner. banner I'm telling you I'll be like Paul when I stood and no man stood with me he gave it all I'll be just like it. I'm gonna give it all let's stand as